Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live and Learn with Daniel Floyd. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm your host, Daniel. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a teacher and a family man striving to be better every day through open-minded conversations. For those of you keeping track at home, you'll notice that it's been almost a year since we've uploaded our last episode. Now, it wasn't my intent to go this long without uploading, but Shalene and I suffered a pretty severe tragedy that caused us to need to take a break. Unfortunately, our baby boy, William, passed away completely unexpectedly on his birthday last year, June 29th. Now, I say completely unexpectedly because up through June 28th, William was a perfectly healthy baby, and Shalene had had a practically perfect pregnancy. Everything looked great at the doctor's appointment, and we were looking forward to reaching his due date on June 29th. But little did we know, a mere 24 hours from that doctor's appointment, William would be gone. Obviously, Shalene and I were completely devastated and heartbroken by this tragedy. Over the last year, we've grieved, we've processed, and somehow we found healing from this deep loss. The episode you're about to listen to is a conversation between me and Shalene telling the story of William's birthday. Now, we recorded this episode back in January of 2023, and we've decided to release it on William's first birthday, June 29th. Now, I think it goes without saying that this will be a more somber episode than normal, but I know for me that this was very healing and cathartic, and I'm sure Shalene would say the same. And I hope that by hearing William's story, you too can be blessed in some way. We're going to go ahead and skip the intro music for this episode and get right to the conversation. Thank you all again for listening. Man, uh, we're just like trying to relearn how to podcast because we have not done this in a while. Yeah. When was the Dobbs decision episode? Yeah. So we're looking back at our show and that was not even the last one we did. Oh, did you do one after that? We did two after that. We? We did rule number two from Peterson's book. Oh, my. Okay. And, and we did rule number three from Peterson's book. So Yikes. So the reason we're having this discussion is because we're back on the podcast. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's been a solid four-ish months since okay. we podcasted. Yikes. I don't even remember those other two. I mean, now that you mentioned them, ah, uh, yeah, it's there, but... Well, <laughs> so anyway, we uh, it's yeah, so it's kind of a strange thing because we are. I'll just start right out. So, we're here to discuss our son mm-hmm. and his story mm-hmm. because we have a story to tell all the way back from June of 2022. Yeah, and so because it's 23 now, right? It's Oof. what's today, January 15th, yeah. Yep. So we've got to go back and tell a story from like six months ago, and we just haven't been in a place to podcast about it, Yeah, which is why we're just getting to it now. And it is kind of strange looking at our show. It's like, whoa, we did like four, three episodes after (laughs) the story we're going to tell. And so it's just kind of weird to look back at that, Um, how we we basically podcasted for three or four episodes and didn't tell what what had happened in our family. And so we just want to come back around and, and talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to continue podcasting and, and talking about our lives together because, I mean, that's definitely part of what we want to do here. 
Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we just, just coming back, we just want to tell the story of our baby, William Franklin Floyd, mm-hmm. and um, just tell his story because he was born, and we talked about this on the podcast, um, the, the one, the, I'm looking back, the last one we talked about him was June 24th when the episode posted. That was the second half of our communication in relationships <laughs> mini series that we did. Mm. And we talked about being excited to have our baby. Um, and so that was like a couple weeks before he was born. And then we posted it the 24th and he was born the 29th. Right. So he was born on the 29th. Yeah. And I guess just not to beat around the bush is that we need to tell his stories because he also passed away on the 29th. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we want to tell the story on the podcast, but I think this will also function as an opportunity for you and me yeah, to just kind of like process the story and process his passing and just talk about it as, as his parents. Mm-hmm. And so there will probably be some tears. Well, it looks like there's already some tears because yeah. we love him a lot. And so if we need to edit and make this more palatable, <laughs> if that's a bad word, listenable, um, we'll do that. But um, we love our baby and we, we miss him dearly. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of different directions we could go with this and a lot of different things we could talk about. But I think the first thing that would be good to begin with is just telling the story of what happened the day that he was born sure. and the day that he passed away. Cause all of that was one day, June 29th last year. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of emotions and processing and learning and conversations or just all of that stuff since then. Mm-hmm. But maybe before we get into all of that, that'll probably be a different episode. I think we should just tell the story of what happened and that could be an episode in of itself. And then we can get into all the, other stuff that relates to that in a different thing. Okay. That sounds good, babe. Yeah. So um, basically I think it was, it was kind of an interesting day because the whole ordeal um, started early in the morning. And so, I don't know, do you want to start with what happened early that morning or even, or I don't know if you want to start with the day before. Yeah, I think I will. Um, So yeah, on the 28th, I went in for my 40 week appointment, even though 40 weeks was the 29th. Um, So he came on his due date. But yeah, I had my 40-week appointment and everything was normal. Everything was great. The doctor said like, yeah, you're 80% effaced and three centimeters dilated. Like, you're looking good. And I was like, well, that's where I was last week. And she's like, oh, well, you're still looking good. (laughs) And I was like, all right, cool. And she's like, yeah, I think he'll be here like any day. And I don't know, we talked about just the pros and cons. We did go ahead and schedule an induction. I don't know if you remember that, Daniel. I don't think we I do. scheduled an induction for the following Wednesday at my 41 week mark because we we're like, well, if he's not here by then, he's going to be huge. So he needs to get here. Um, yeah. So that was a good appointment and all went well. Um, I don't know. I spent a lot of time that day at home, like rereading old journals and just like sitting on the back porch in a chair and reading journals and journaling. And anyway, it was good. I don't know where you were. Upward bound. Yeah, I was I was literally just thinking that. So he we had that appointment on a Tuesday. Yeah. And the next day was the last day of upward bound. I think it was. It was. Okay, I do know that I was going to give a final. Yeah. That day. So it was probably the last day. Last day of classes. Um, and so it was like, 
40 weeks. And so like he could have already come right. prior. And so it's like literally any day. And we, I was like really hoping for like sooner the better because, you know, I want my baby to get here, our baby to get here. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so it was mm. just like, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. So I was just excited and full of anticipation and all of that. And like, you know, the classic thing of like, I had subs ready. Um, and I had already discussed that with my supervisor and everything of like, yeah. all right, when the baby's here, Mr. Floyd needs a sub, you know, right. to cover the classes. So we it's were like, time. we were just ready to go. And so yeah. that's just, I don't know. That's kind of where I was practically speaking, emotionally yeah. speaking. Yeah. So, uh, Tuesday night we went to bed and already we were kind of bummed. I was bummed because I was really hoping that he would come on the 25th, which was our three, four, four year dating anniversary. Dating anniversary. And I had had contractions like Braxton Hicks on the 24th, that mm, Friday night. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, it could, it could happen. Yeah. And then it didn't. And I was like, <sighs> fine. Um, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so we went to bed Tuesday night and Daniel fell asleep and I just like wasn't tired at all. And so I stayed up and I read until 1245 ish. Um, and then I went to sleep and I woke up at like 230 and it felt like like I could feel liquid. And I was like, oh, maybe my water broke. And I'd heard, you know, like if you can stand up and do a Kegel and like liquid keeps coming, then it's not your, or it's your water because you can't hold your water breaking in. Mm -hmm. And so I got out of bed and was on my way to the bathroom and I like did a Kegel and whatever it was kind of like stopped. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And so I made it into the bathroom and, uh, I don't remember. I think I turned on my phone light because I had my phone with me or I asked you to get my phone later. I was definitely asleep at this point. So I must've grabbed my phone on the way into the, Huh. Wow. I just realized that part of my memory is gone. Anyway, <laughs> somehow I had light and was able to see that I was bleeding um, like rather heavily, though at the time I was like, I think just an immediate shock. Looking back, I think I was already in shock just already. Um, yeah. I mean, you look down and there's blood coming out and it's like, that's yeah. Usually never a good sign. Right. And so <laughs> just in any case. that's, I think I already then at that point yelled at you and was like, Hey, I'm bleeding. And like, I'm going to call the hospital. And so I had my phone and I called them like while sitting still on the toilet in the bathroom. And the nurse, um, was just kind of talking me through and was asking me like how much blood. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> let but, me, let me get my graduated cylinder. Open. Yeah. No, but kidding. I was no, like, I, was like, I uh, more than I think there should be. I don't know. And so, she, she said, well, maybe like you just had your appointment yesterday and everything looked really good. Like maybe, uh, your doctor stripped your membranes to like help things along and that can cause some bleeding. And I was like, no, like we talked about that and we decided not to. And she was like, well, maybe she did anyway. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty, no, pretty positive. She wouldn't do that when we decided not to. She's like, okay, well, if you're concerned, you can definitely come in and we can check you out and see how things are going and I was like okay well, we'll be right there and so and so by this point I was awake because you had been like Daniel like yeah. you shouted you know to wake me up I'm gonna call the hospital yeah, yeah. like so, I'm bleeding and so I was just like all right it's go time here we go like we've got our bags 
I guess they were mostly packed by that point. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were, yes, they yeah. were packed. So but, it was basically me just assembling all the stuff. Well, because, like, remember, Friday night when I had the Braxton Hicks stuff, you disappeared downstairs and Emily and I were up here. And then I found out later that you had, like, gotten all the bags and, like, put them all by the door and, like, made your coffee and made a thing of water and made some tea and, like, had three different beverages ready to go. And so then... I forgot about that. Yeah. So you were, like, ready to go Friday night, which was really sweet, but... Mm, I was up here going, where the heck did Daniel go? Like, I'm having contractions. And I'm downstairs, like, getting ready to go to the hospital. Yeah, and he was just like, I'm getting all the stuff. I'm not ready. And I'm like, ugh. So we were ready then um, for Wednesday morning, which was good. Because, yeah, I pretty much, once I got off the phone, I was like, Daniel, we're going to the hospital. Like, come on. Um, And I remember already it felt like you were moving in slow motion. And my brain was already like, come on, man. Like, how long does it take? Um, And it wasn't that long at all. And I grabbed a cheese stick from the fridge because I'd heard that you can't eat once you get to the hospital. And I was like, <laughs> uh-uh, like I'm, I'm going to have something. <laughs> so I grabbed Well, you can't stick. eat or you, they won't give you food. No, like they won't even, if you bring stuff, depending what it is, they won't let you have that. Oh, okay. Because, and I found out later, the reason is because if something goes wrong and they have to intubate you. Yeah, they don't want food. Yeah, if you have stuff in your system, it can cause clogging and issues with the intubation anyway so we got to the hospital um they were ready for us so check-in was pretty quick but we did still have to check in and that's kind of crazy looking back too but yeah because little do we know that time is of the essence yeah in a major 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 way which will unfold as we tell this story but like yeah like it's not like we're dawdling no but we're not we don't realize it's an emergency and yeah, turns I, out that this is an emergency. Yeah, looking back, it's just so weird. I think it's definitely part of, I. we've never done this before, so we didn't know what to expect. But also, I think that shock was already a factor because, yeah, looking back, just like, that's not normal. And I think, I think I knew that immediately. The bleed, You're saying the bleeding is not normal. Yeah. So something deep down in you already knew something was really wrong i think definitely like subconsciously yeah because i was ready to go into labor i was ready for my water to break i was ready for pain i was ready for all that but the bleeding in in no stories ever is that a good thing yeah Yeah. so yeah so we basically get up to the is it the birthing floor or the ob floor whatever it's called yep yeah we get up there and the nurse meets us was it the that nurse that was on the phone with Mm -hmm. you okay are we saying names i think so i mean yeah chris she was wonderful Yeah, I don't know. You'll probably need to help tell the story. But basically, she just like got you in your gown and got you in the bed and we're kind of getting settled in. And she uh, did like checked his heart, basically. Yeah. And didn't really say anything. No, she didn't. Yeah, that's true. She didn't. I don't know. We were just like, okay, this is kind of weird. There's blood, but we're at the hospital. We're checking the baby's heart. Yeah. Well, and so as soon as we got there, she had me go ahead and like. I mean, I guess I'm not going to be super graphic, but this is a medical story and whatever. So she had me like take off my underwear. And when I was on the phone with her, she had me put in a pad Mm -hmm. so that they could kind of see how much bleeding was happening. Yeah. And so like the pad was pretty full already and it had been like less than half an hour, Mm -hmm. like maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um, and then I also was like, like the first moment that I was like, oh, this is not good for sure 
was as I was taking off my underwear, like another spurt happened and I like bled all over the floor Mm -hmm. and never in my life ever has that ever happened. And so she was just so wonderful though. Cause she was just so calm about it. And she was like, Oh, okay. Like let's get in the bed. And she got a pad to put under me in the bed. And, and then, yeah, like pretty immediately first she put a monitor on so that we could check his heart. Um, and in that moment, that was really weird because I, like we heard his heartbeat and immediately I just took a huge sigh of relief because I was like, okay, like He's, he's there. He's, he's alive. alive. Yeah. Like his heart's beating. Um, because I'd felt him kicking the night before, just like normal. Um, but when I woke up, like he wasn't moving around, but I could feel his head like pressed really strong, like right up under my rib cage. Like it was sticking out there. Well, no, that wouldn't have been his head. What am I talking about? Sorry. His butt. <laughs> his butt was very much just sticking right out there. And so I was like rubbing on it like, you doing okay, dude? And like yeah. while I was on the toilet on the phone. And so, yeah, when I... Uh, when they put the monitor on and I heard his heartbeat, I was like, oh, whew, okay. Like, we're okay because he's there. We're good. Um, but then come to find out later, um, as soon as Chris heard the heartbeat, she recognized, I think it was the sinusoidal rhythm. Is she, what? Yeah, she noticed it was sinusoidal, which I don't know all the details about it, but basically it's, very bad. Yeah, well, I don't. I, from my understanding of what they told us, it's that you could already tell that he wasn't getting oxygen. Mm. Like sinusoidal rhythms show an oxygen deficiency. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so... She called the doctor quickly. And I can't remember. Did she tell us, I'm calling the doctor? She said, I'm going to call him so that he can get here and and we're not going to check you until he gets here and we'll just kind of see what he thinks. Got it. So she definitely told us that he wasn't there and we'd need to call him in because okay. he's on call. Like they don't just sit in the hospital overnight. Yeah. They are at home until they're called in. Um, but yeah, meanwhile, she was so calm and she just like started like putting a gown on me. She got an IV in me. I don't remember, but yeah, she had, they, they did so much and it was crazy because I went into this experience, never having been in the hospital before in my life, other than my own birth. (laughs) Like that was the only time. And my preparation for birth was to try to have as unmedicated a birth as possible. Um, And so I'd talked with my OB about, well, they're still going to put in an IV port because in case of an emergency, we need to be ready for that. So I had prepped myself for that, but Mm. like, that's what I was coming into. So to go from that to then like, so she's immediately putting in an IV because she's like, hey, like we want to have you ready for whatever we need to do. And I was already ready for that. So that was fine. And that went fine. Um, yeah. And she just and was asking me, like, if I had jewelry on and just things. And, like, later, again, knowing what we know now, she already knew from her experience that things were not good. Most likely we would have to do an emergency C-section. And she was already, like, gowning me up. She did step up, step away before she started all of that to call Dr. Speak. Um and call him in. And so he was on his way as she's starting to do these things. Um, Impressive poker face looking. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I totally had no idea. I thought just like, I literally thought like, Oh, we might have a baby today or Hmm. I'm not having any contractions. They might send me home. Yeah. Like that's literally the thought going through my mind yeah. because that was part of what was also really weird about this is like, I was in no pain. I was not having contractions. Like once they hooked me up, I guess you could see like, some contractions on the screen little small ones yeah but 
It was just funny because I kind of so because I was trying to like get situated in the room and everything, and I didn't. I don't think I caught that like she's calling. Well, it was like I didn't catch that Doctor Speak wasn't at the hospital. So oh. if if I heard her say like I'm gonna get the doctor, I thought he was just like coming from downstairs down the hall or, or downstairs. Yeah. And so then I turn around and he's here. Yeah, it only and, took him like five minutes. Yeah, and he's like wearing cargo shorts and a polo shirt and like a ball cap. I thought they were basketball shorts. No, I think they were cargo shorts. Okay, I don't know. doesn't matter. Anyway. Very casual. Well, in his mask. He was masked up. Okay, yes. And so I just remember looking around like, oh, Dr. Speak. And then I was just like, whoa, super casual. I guess I guess we don't dress very professional at 2 a.m. now, do we? You know? <laughs> and not like I was hardcore judging. I was just like, okay, yeah, I guess. And it makes sense, right? It's 2 a.m. Like. Nobody cares. Because you totally dressed. missed that he had just been awoken from yes, dead sleep. Yes, I, I missed that part. Okay. And so I turn around and I just assumed like he came to work dressed like this. Well, he did, but two minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that like he was asleep 10 minutes ago and then was just like had his clothes ready and was just here. And, you know, obviously I don't care how he's dressed, you know, because it didn't stop him from doing an amazing job that day. But that's just a funny little aside thing. I just yeah. turn around I'm like, oh, casual casual wednesday morning i see yeah <laughs> and little did i know like he had come from home so yeah so. yeah so he got there um and he listened to the rhythm everything was moving really quickly by this point but again they were so calm and just so wonderful already just yeah. through the whole they were wonderful yeah. but he basically well he did an ultrasound first remember okay they pulled in the ultrasound yeah and did that and saw at that point that something was going on with William's gastrointestinal tract mm -hmm. and it looked enlarged. And he was like, yeah, that's not a yeah. good sign either. Yeah. Basically took a look himself and then turned around and said, I would like to get your baby out immediately. And I'd like to do a C-section. Yeah. It very calmly, but just basically said, I want to get this baby out now. And we were like, he, Oh, what? Well, uh, but he okay. was so wonderful though, because he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, we need to do a C-section. He's like, but like, do you have any questions? Because it's your decision. Right. Yeah. And he, I remember. He didn't I was, tell us what to do. Yeah, no. But. Well, and I remember thinking and saying like, no, like Daniel, can you think of any? And I think Daniel, you were just like, well, like what are, what are the implications of that? And looking back, Dr. Speak was so wonderful because he answered and he was like, well, it'll be a longer recovery. And like, you know, he like kind of talked us through that a little bit. Um, yeah. But then I just looked at him and we both agreed, like, if you're the, what the, you're the professional right. and we totally trust your judgment. Yeah. So let's do it. And so by then it was all systems go like the anesthesiologist was in there immediately and they were starting to inject stuff. They had already, Chris had already got me on fluids Yeah, and she may have already started a medication as well, but definitely fluids. And, uh, and they had Daniel scrub up. And I yeah, was already so, gowned and so everything. So I could be in the OR with you. They did a catheter. That was fun. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I never had a catheter. Well, and, okay, I anticipated it being way worse. Like, if anything. Don't know what to tell you. If anything, it was, like, better than a bad tampon insertion. <laughs> there you go. Not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. But better? But, yeah, just similar. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, um... <laughs> So that was fun. So a lot of new experiences. Oof. Duh. Uh, yeah. And so they they got us rolling really pretty quickly. I don't know what time it is when we went into the OR. It seemed like so fast. But yeah, it's probably like 3.30 or 4 a.m. at this point. You think? I mean, just to, just a ballpark, just to give a yeah. sense of like it's the 
the very depths of the night. Yeah, it's yeah. early morning. But anyway, they rolled you in and then told me to wait in that room and like they would get you prepped and yeah. then they would bring me into the OR well, to be with you. And they told me, like they were telling me, they're just like, we're going to try a spinal. Um, and if it doesn't work the first time, we're going to do general anesthesia. I didn't know what any of these things meant. Like, oh, really? No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I knew what a spinal was because yeah, I, right. I had translation. Learned all about we want to give you a spinal so you're awake. Right. Versus knocking you out so we can do. But the I didn't know that that's what general anesthesia meant. Right. Yes. I didn't know that. And uh-huh. so I was like, I mean, sure. You like, again, you're the professionals. So you have my full consent for whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they did, they rolled me over and it was funny because like those beds are really hard to steer. And so at one point they like ran into the wall and Dr. Speak was like, man, these are squirrely or he didn't say that, but you know, like yeah. kind of joking on the way over. So even then everyone was doing like an excellent job, but the mood was still light. And I think part of that was like, it is go time. And so I don't know, we're just going to keep it light. And even once we got over to the OR, they don't have double doors, so the hospital bed won't fit through it. And so I learned later that typically they would transfer you from the bed to a gurney and then roll you through and then from the gurney to the operating table. Well, Dr. Speak just looked at the door and looked at me and he goes, do you think you can walk? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I got up, he held my catheter and we like walked in and I'm barefoot. So we like walked into the OR and I, he like, pulled out a stool for me so I like hopped up on the stool and then hopped up on the table (laughs) and so I'm sitting there and he gets my catheter situated and then the anesthesiologist Dr. Driver comes and he helped us wheel the bed over and everything but he was just like okay so we're gonna do a spinal like do you have any questions do you know what that is um and do you have any questions and I was like oh like a spinal and I went through this whole thing because I'd been watching videos at Lifeline with the like preparing for birth classes and stuff. And so I was like, Oh yeah, it's like an epidural and you use the same kind of needle and you have like a large needle, (laughs) but then you have the catheter that goes inside. Shalene's like, I did all the homework. (laughs) Yeah. But I like went down all of that and he kind of chuckled and he goes, no, that's exactly right. So do you have any questions? And I was like, no, I think I'm good. He was like, okay. And so, um, so that was like, it was very empowering one to be able to walk into the OR, like as ridiculous as that sounds, from a, like, really, they made you walk into the OR. It was honestly very wonderful in that moment that Dr. Speak was like, hey, do you think you can do this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. In a way, it was something that I could do for William. They're like, yes, I am capable. We are good. Um, And then just also it was empowering to, like, have that knowledge about what a spinal is to be able to, in that moment, I didn't feel freaked out or like unaware of what was happening. I was like, Oh no, like I can give my consent knowing what this is mm-hmm. and it just helped. And yeah. And so, um, they gave me a pillow, you know, and they do the same thing for epidurals, but they gave me a pillow and Dr. Speak like, just like hugged me pretty much from the front as Dr. Driver was inserting the spinal. And like, he was like, yeah, you're going to feel some pricks and kind of like bee stings as I do the lidocaine, da da da. Um, Yeah. And so that went really well and it worked the first time. So I didn't have to do general anesthesia. And so then they laid me back and, um, that the, the spinal was starting to work. Um, and then like, I felt this pinching on my stomach cause they had the screen up so I couldn't see anything. Yeah. This isn't, this is kind of wild. Yeah. And so I felt this like, kind of like, it felt like a needle on my stomach and I was like, what the, and Dr. Speaks like, can you feel that? And I was like, well, yeah, it kind of feels like a needle, like stabbing me, but like, 
I don't know. And he's like, what about now? And he just kept like stabbing me. It felt like doing little something. pricks, little yeah. pricks. And I was like, I mean, I can feel it, but it's not bad at all. And he's like, okay. And then he brings out from behind this screen, these huge sur- surgical tweezers. And he's like, I am pinching you as hard as I can with these. And I was like, oh, well, then, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Sounds like the medicine is working. And he's like, okay, then we're going to get started. Um, and so then they like, well, by then Daniel was in there. Yeah. I think it must've been right after that, that they yeah, brought me in because I for wasn't that. there for that little no. exchange. And so, <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Emily has arrived, our dear yeah. friend who had previously like decided or committed to like being there and being like our go-to person of like being a runner and being there to help us out. And so she kind of pictures. Yeah. So she showed up. I think as Dr. Speak was like, I want to do a C-section. Yes. I think she was there to be like, yes. oh, snap. When you is... got scrubbed up, she was already there. Yeah. So meanwhile, she's just like waiting in the hospital room kind of by herself. And Melting I don't down. See... Yeah. <laughs> understandably, because it's like, we don't know what's happening. And then she also saw like the background aspect of mm-hmm. like, in front of us, everyone was keeping it cool. But when we weren't there, they were all kind of freaking out. And so, like, when we were in the OR, I think they were a little more open of, like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. You know, this is an emergency C-section. We need to get the baby out. So Emily kind of saw that yeah. live more than we did. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll definitely have an opportunity to to hear her perspective of the story. But that's just another kind of background thing that's happening. But all that to say, like, you're all drugged up and you're ready to go. And so, I don't know, basically they just they did the C-section and they got – baby William out and I remember just sitting near your head right and on the right the side of the screen where I can't see what's happening and it was just it was just a very eerie thing that happened Mm -hmm. because you're ready for surgery they do the surgery and they're like working and they're talking and there's all this commotion and and we're talking to the anesthesiologist making sure everything's good this Mm -hmm. and that and then the baby comes out and there's no sound Mm -hmm. there's no crying Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just like, uh, okay, like, I guess it's normal. I've seen videos where, like, the baby doesn't cry right away. You got to rub their back. You got to, you know, spank mm-hmm. them or whatever they do. It's just like no, no sound. And it's just this weird experience where physically there's a lot of commotion in that room. There's things beeping. There's people talking. There's, like, six people in there doing different jobs and stuff like that. And yet somehow there's this kind of terrifying silence of like where's the baby sounds Mm -hmm. like what's going on and so you know you and i are not the type to just panic quickly necessarily no so we were definitely like concerned and hopeful but it's still like okay what's going on here this is kind of weird well and and they didn't they did not give the baby to you or to me they like took him immediately to the corner of the room yeah and start doing like chest compressions on him of like get him awake, get him breathing because he's not breathing and all of right. this stuff. And so, Again, we learn yeah. as things are unfolding that um, like as soon as they disconnected his umbilical cord, his heart stopped beating mm-hmm. and he was presenting no effort to breathe. Yeah. And so, yeah, they immediately took him over and began chest compressions and um, resuscitation efforts. And it felt like, I don't know, like only 10 or 15 minutes, but in the notes, um, it was recorded that it was like 30 minutes before they were able to resuscitate him. Yeah. So, so we're just sitting here waiting like, okay, there's no baby sounds. And all we can hear is just one and two and three and, you know, yeah, that was... the counting and stuff. And that's just kind of a terrifying thing to. Yeah. But it's so hear. weird because 
like, again, I know it's a mixture of shock and just the fact that the Lord was with us. It's both of those things yeah. of like, there was a, a peace there in the room too. And already like we had been praying during the whole surgery and like really already giving it all to God and being like, Lord, like help our baby be okay. And like bring, and then even when he came out and wasn't breathing, we were like, okay, Lord, like please bring your healing. Um, like you are in control and like we surrender to your will. Like we were praying the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was, it was, I appreciated that while they were doing the compressions and the counting and we're just kind of sitting, you know, I'm sitting next to you and you're on the operating table and we're just kind of waiting and hoping and like praying. Dr. Speak went over Mm-hmm. And took a picture of him. Well, I asked him to. Okay, yes. And, I, and yes. Well, what I actually asked was, is it okay if Daniel takes a picture? But he didn't hear me. And he must have heard me ask, like, can you take a picture? Okay. Because he was like, oh, absolutely. And he, like, jumped up and got his phone yeah. off the side table, over off to the side, and went and took pictures and came and showed us. Yeah. And th- I think he, like, texted it to us so that we Later. Could... Okay. But... He brought it right over in front of my face and showed me first. Yeah, so we got to see. He was all wet and curly-haired. Lots of hair, lots of dark hair. Yeah. Just like both of us. But yeah, he just, he wasn't doing the normal baby things that you're supposed to do when you're born. And yeah, it's it's weird that you say it was 30 minutes because it it felt like 10 or 15 minutes. Which, again, looking back at that type of thing, like even that's like a really long time. Oh, to not be yeah. breathing or well, beating or anything like that. And then somehow, so all this to say, somehow they got his heart to start back again. Mm-hmm. So they got his heart beating after 30 minutes, um, but he wasn't necessarily breathing on his own. Mm-mm. And so they had him intubated in the, I don't know, a bag. They were using the mm-hmm. little the baby uh, bag, baby bag. Know, yeah. To just kind of breathe for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had brought in the, uh, I don't know the words, the professionals that help with breathing stuff. <laughs> Respiratory therapist? Yeah. Neo-respiratory therapist? Something like that. I have no clue. We're not giving credit to the people that were there, but they called in, yes, other people that, that do that, um, and they were helping, basically helping him breathe, and they got his heart beating, but it was like, this is not good because he's been without, he's been oxygen deprived for quite a long time now, and so I don't know. Which is still hard for me because I don't know how long is a long time. Yeah. Like, because they still don't have any clue when things went wrong i'm just remembering that later on you had like googled some stuff and found that like the percentage like the survival rate of babies that were without oxygen or breathing or heartbeat like based on this many minutes like after this many minutes these many babies live this many minutes no yeah that was so like and of course the percentage is dropping the longer time well and i just remember the takeaway is like after 10 minutes it's like rare sure for the baby to survive is yes. what i remember you looking up yeah and, you know for and it's google of course we're not doctors but well no i read a yeah. i read a medical journal entry okay. from google granted but whatever yeah anyway i tried to not just like google it webmd how is my baby anyway um anyway i'm not a doctor uh but yes that was um but what I'm saying is, like, I don't know, because they made it sound like even in utero he was oxygen deprived, because right. that was leading to the sinusoidal heart rhythms and the gastrointestinal inflammation. Yes. And so. Yes, and so yeah, even though he came out and wasn't breathing or had a already heartbeat, things were yeah we 
we distressing right he was distressed yeah from the moment we came in and so we didn't necessarily know what the bleeding was from Mm -mm. william looked normal yeah eight pounds and 14 ounces yeah he was a big dude and he was born at 444. And Dr. Speak said he looked over the placenta and didn't see any abruptions, didn't see any bleeding come from it. Like, we don't know where this blood came from. Yeah. And so it just seemed very strange. And so then at that point, it's like, okay, we need to get this baby to the NICU in Columbia, Missouri, which is mm-hmm. an hour and a half drive south of us. And mm-hmm. so it's like, all right, we're going to get the chopper to come in. They're on their way and stuff like that. And so at this point, it what they... After they got his heart back going, I was able to kind of walk over and look at him and hold mm-hmm. his hand and, and all of that. And I don't remember. At some point, they rolled him, they rolled William out of the OR and into the nursery. I guess, yeah, the nursery yeah. and had him staged there and ready to be loaded up in, you know, in the, the helicopter to be air evacuated to Columbia. Yeah. And they well, told us it's like a 40 minute flight. Sure. By by chopper, you know, to and from. And so um, it was like the next hour or two was waiting for the, you know, the chopper to get here and getting him ready. And by that time, our family had kind of arrived. It's like six they were there. They were there by the time that we were coming out of the OR. Everybody was there. Yes. Okay. Okay. But it's like 530 or 6 a.m. at this point. And and I had been texting and notifying people like while we were in the OR of like, hey, things are, you know, this is what's happening. Please come and pray for us and all of these things. Well, I called my mom before we left the house because our go plan whenever the baby came was that I was going to call my mom immediately as we were on the way to the hospital or even before we were on the way to the hospital. If I just was like, hey, stuff is really happening. Like we're not going yet, but here's a heads up because she had to drive the hour and a half yeah to come be with me was the plan so we called her so they were there even before your parents made it mm. because your parents hadn't been part of the go plan and so <laughs> we were in the or and i was like daniel do your parents know <laughs> and we let them know so and eventually yeah. everyone was there but it was just it's just kind of weird because everything we've shared is a relatively short amount of time compared to like the next phase of just like the people getting there and like then they were checking on him and it was just kind of concerned, like the the two ladies that were there to help load William up and get him ready were like checking his vitals and getting numbers on him. And then they like they called back to the NICU in Columbia. And I just remember overhearing a conversation of like, yep, this is his oxygen and this is like all of his vitals and things like that. And the person on the other line was just like, oh, snap, like like they were like this does not look good hmm. as they were just talking to each other i don't know i thought i no thought i've never that. heard you that i just remember that. yeah because they just had it on speakerphone and so i was just hearing this conversation mm-hmm. so i was able to be in the nursery where they were having william and our family could look at him through the glass and see him there and they were just helping him breathe with the little bag um and he had a pulse and and that but he wasn't really moving a whole lot or or doing anything like that. And so it was just like, we got to get him to Columbia so that we can try to take care of him. And basically they told us that they were already beginning to cool him. And so they yeah. lower his temperature. They had started cooling him when we were still in the OR. That's true. That's true. So pretty much as he came out, they they cool him like, it. it's like ballpark five degrees Celsius, you know, 10 degrees Fahrenheit. It's not like, they're not like freezing him, but it's like cooling him helps preserve his neurological function. Mm-hmm. And so even though he's been oxygen deprived for 
for a very long time, you can mitigate some of the damage by cooling him. So they were already prepping for that. And basically what the ladies were telling me as they were loading him up was like, yeah, he might be there for a few. We just want to monitor him for a few days. And like, obviously once he gets there where they're going to check on him and give you, but like we basically were under the impression of like, okay, William could be there for like three or four days in Columbia. And so like, we might go live down there for a few days to be with him and which at least, but it was crazy just again, how much shock was there? Because like, that would have been an extremely long road. Like even if he was relatively okay, the three to four days in the NICU is like nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But we don't know. We don't know the full extent of what has really just happened. Right. And so we're just like, oh, three or four days. Like, okay. He'll just like, it's going to be quite the birth story. You know, this is going to be crazy, but like, okay, this is just what's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. That's just where I was. No. Like, you know, because yeah. neither of us fully appreciated um, the severity of what was happening mm-hmm. and like being oxygen deprived for that long and not breathing or having a heartbeat for that when long. When you say that long, what are you referring to? I'm just saying from like when you when they first checked his heart rate when you went into the hospital room okay. to when he was born and then resuscitated basically. Okay. I'm just saying that amount of time. Okay. Being oxygen deprived for that long. And then if not a little longer going back to when you woke up mm-hmm. if not even maybe an hour or whatever before then mm-hmm. it's just hard because we don't really know all the details even now right and so it was just kind of a wild ride because they got him loaded up in the little baby gurney incubator yeah incubator and hold on before we go any further yeah so you're out there with him yeah this is but my experience right was He's in the corner of the room. They're resuscitating him. Um, Even after they get him back, Daniel goes over to look at him. I'm still laying there on the table. Dr. Speak is finishing up, um, sewing me back up. And when he finished, he like came over and he took my hand and he was like, you did really well. Like, you're going to be okay. Like you did a really good job. And I just remember like saying thanks and asking him like, how's my baby? And he just teared up and was like, we don't know. And I was like, he just said, "I'm, I'm very concerned for him. Yeah. 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 And I, um, I was just like, Oh, like that was the first time that I was like, Oh, like even up to that point, I was like, Oh, well he's not crying and they're having to resuscitate him. But like that happens, you know? Right. Yeah. Like Like, that happens. We're not immediately just going to go to like, this is a catastrophe. Right. But when he said like, I am concerned for him, that's when I was like, Oh, because already I trusted Dr. Speak with my life. Obviously. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, really appreciated the way that he handled everything and cared for me and William and Daniel. And so, yeah. And then, uh, so they asked me while they were still working on William in the OR, like, do you want to be wheeled back to your room? Like, do you want to go ahead and be wheeled back or do you want to stay in here with him? And I was like, I would like to stay here as long as he's here. And they're like, okay. So I just laid there on the table. I think they transported me to the gurney at one point. Um, well, they would have had to, to get me back through the door. Cause I wasn't walking then. <laughs> and anyway, so, but then when they took us out, they wheeled him into the nursery where everyone was and they took me to my room and that kind of stunk a lot cause everyone got to be out in the hallway with him. Um, and no one, my mom and dad came in the room pretty immediately uh, as soon as they would let them in. 
but that was a bummer. Yeah, this is just where it it's just hard to come to terms with how this all played out. It's just because, like, you're the mom. You're supposed to be the first one to hold him, the first one, like, pretty much to see him. And part of just, just what is really hard about this is that you were separated from him. And he, baby William was in the nursery being kept alive. And then, you know, and it's like you can't physically walk or be in there. Mm-hmm. And so you you had to be in your bed and then eventually were back in your hospital room. And so um, it's just really hard. There's just something like like on a metaphysical or spiritual or whatever. It's just like that's not right. Mm-hmm. Like mothers are not supposed to be separated from their babies, mm-hmm. especially when their babies are sick or mm-hmm. not doing well physically. And so... I think that's just a hard part to hard part of the story to to think about even now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like that's just that's that's part of the tragedy. That's part of the tragedy is 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 that I was able to be there with him, but Shalene wasn't in a lot of ways, and so um, they. All of that to say, they eventually. I mean, they they wheeled him by your bed in the room just to be like here you can see him and touch his hand and stuff like that but like we got to go like the 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 people that were getting him loaded up were like we got to go like we need to leave now 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 and so they like did a quick stop by your room and then took him out and then flew him flew him away and we were we were in Kirksville um basically just waiting to see what the report would be um what the report would be from uh Columbia and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, um, like they're gonna call us later this morning and we don't know what's gonna happen and so we'll just see. And so uh, I went back, I slept, like once you were settled in your bed and all of that, and I don't know, did you sleep too? I think, yeah, I was knocked out for a little bit. Yeah, so- I still had a lot of drugs in my system. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so basically we get a call from Columbia like an hour later or something like that. And the doctor was on, Dr. Vashirzani um, was there and he basically called and just said like this, we've looked at your, we've looked at him. We're, you know, we've trying to do everything we can and giving him blood and all of these things. And he was just like, this really doesn't look good. He said, Daniel, if you're coming, you need to get here now because he may not make it until you get down here yeah and for some reason that didn't sink in when he said that yeah because you and i had a conversation like a couple of months later where i brought that up because i brought up that you were kind of again like kind of moving slow and i was like go what are you doing and somehow it didn't sink in somehow what i came away with from that phone call was like if you're coming like if you're if you're really nervous and you're just really worried then you can come now if you want Somehow no, that's what was that is so, not some, what that call was. Somehow that's what was communicated oh, to me. And goodness. so I was like, okay, well, like I guess I'll I guess I'll get ready and like head to Columbia to be with him because he's gonna be there for and a I few was, days. Like I've got 
Like we've got time. Like he's not going anywhere. And I appreciated. So I don't know what was. Yeah. I appreciated your initial thought of like, cause they asked if you were going to leave immediately as soon as the chopper left. And you're like, no, like I'm going to stay here with Shalene for a little bit and wait until we hear from the hospital. Right. That was another huge factor. It's like, I'm just going to run away from Shalene and yeah. leave her here. And by I herself. really appreciated that. But then when the doctor called and said like, you need to get down here cause you may not make it until you do, which I understand you did not understand at that point, but I was getting like, mad at you as you were you were taking your sweet time to pack up stuff and i was like leave get the heck out of here yeah well and i also yeah it also helps that you wanted me to go instead of being with you because i also didn't want to just run away and then you'd be like oh now daniel's abandoning me great this is nice you know so like i was (laughs) juggling i was juggling two two sides of things and so it was like okay Got it. You sure? Like, Shalene, you're good with me going in this? And you were like, yes, go be with him. Go, go. And I was like, okay, great, cool. And so basically yeah. had a friend, Ryan Ryan Hanley, drove, drove me down there. And so I basically got there, and they let me up into the second floor really fast, and, and he was there. And it was just – it was quite the scene to walk into because the NICU's on the second floor. We go up. You know, we're going down the halls, and we come around, and – William is on his little bed and he's like kind of propped up. So he's not laying flat on his back. He's kind of up at an angle a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a sad image to think of and look at because he was just connected to so many things. Mm -hmm. He had, he had blood going in through his umbilical cord and the doctor said like this is really what's keeping it's literally his lifeline right now because we're giving him fresh blood through his umbilical cord and his body is not really his heart is not really working on its own um and they like they were putting little stickers to hook electrodes up to his head so they could monitor his brain function like they were doing that as i walked in and he was intubated and he had a breathing tube and there were things beeping and i I want to say he had stuff connected to his feet and his hands. Like there was just like little IVs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, gosh, what a terrible, what a terrible scene of like your newborn baby is just like hooked up to all these things. Um, and is like barely alive. And so it was just, it was just hard. But in that moment it was like, this is not time to freak out and panic and be, I don't know be unhelpful Hmm. it was like it's time to be strong make logical decisions and do what i need to do to make sure everything's taken care of and so it's it's hard obviously because i'm not a doctor or anything like that so it's not like i just know everything that's happening and have all you know it's not like i have an educated opinion but it was basically of like we've given him blood we've given him i don't know platelets and things like that and part of the problem is that his blood wasn't really clotting and he was he was bleeding in a lot of places and so like like he was bleeding from his feet like his skin was breaking Mm -hmm. in places which is just sad and so like his hands were bleeding and his little feet were bleeding and they they eventually had to stop putting the little stickers on his head because his head started bleeding and they're Mm -hmm. trying to like dab the blood and it's just it's like his body was falling apart Mm -hmm. and 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 it's just like it had just seemed like the lack of oxygen had just caused his whole body to become damaged. Mm -hmm. And so he was not able to live on his own. And so I was there for a little bit of time and they were, and they were talking about like, the doctor was just like, okay, like 
here's what's going on and here's what we're doing and here's what we're here's the situation of just like what do you want to do and I was like well did you give him I don't even remember like did you give him the platelets or the blood or every and he was like well we already did twice yeah he's like we did twice like we did we gave him the stuff that was supposed to help him get going and and get moving Mm -hmm. and I was and he was like and we've got another one on the way and I was just like you know like what are you supposed to do just say like no call it just like give up like Mm -hmm. like just let him it's like no like almost against reason I want to keep trying and doing whatever I can or or at least letting them keep doing and trying doing whatever they can to keep him alive. Um, and so I, would, I don't know, I just remember a moment of being like, well, just do it one more time and then we'll see from there. And so they they ended up doing everything and just, just I don't know, long story short, it was just like, it was just too little too late. And um, by this point, they we had you on FaceTime. And so it was it was kind of cool how they have iPads there specifically for family to use so we could FaceTime and kind of be connected. But you didn't use that. Right, right, right. I'm just saying it was cool that they had that. And so kind of while this is happening, we ended up using our own personal devices to FaceTime. So we were I was FaceTiming you. Yeah. And your family is with you in Kirksville and my and my parents had followed me and were with me in Columbia and the NICU there. I don't know if there's details you want to fill in at this point, but we were just kind of like trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Well, because you had first FaceTime me when you got first, you were texting me when you got down there. Like once you walked in the room, you texted me like, hey, like his pupils aren't dilating, da da da. Just like his blood's not clotting, little updates. And I was like, ooh, yeah, okay, this is worse than we thought, like as they were taking him. And then you FaceTimed me first, initially out in the hallway. And that's when you told me, like, they've given him two transfusions and it's not doing anything. And that was pretty much when we made the decision already. Because you were saying, like, really, like, they've done all that they can. And so we just agreed together that, like, okay, like, I think it's time to let him go and go back to be with Jesus. And so then you hung up from that FaceTime call. Mm. And went and told the doctor I guess and but then you called me back so that I could see when you held him Mm -hmm. yeah and so we eventually came to a place where it's like okay there's really no way he's gonna be okay and so yeah we just need to let him go and as as you said we need to give him back to Jesus Mm -hmm. we just let him go and I I just knew that I wanted, I wanted to hold him mm-hmm. and just have him in my arms as he went away. Thanks. And so there was just something in me too that was, I wanted to act out, like physically act out. Like if I had to give my baby away mm-hmm. as the man of the house and as the leader of our home, like I'm the one who has to do this. Hmm. And I think I've told you, Shalene, that um, like even if you were there, I, I feel like I would have asked like, mm-hmm. I know you're the mom, but but I, I need to hold him while we let him go. Hmm. And so and so that's what we did. And I appreciate that. You know, I gave my dad my phone to, to record a video just just so we could remember what would happen um, looking back. 
and so we have all of this on video um but i just they were they let me hold him and then they just eventually slowly disconnected everything mm-hmm. and i just was able to hold him and, and talk to him um while he just went back to sleep and it was it was several minutes um until he until his body completely stopped and and you know and everything went away um yeah they declared time of death 135 yeah 135 and so he had been born at 4:44 a.m. and um he went home to be with Jesus at 135 that afternoon and so i mean there's really there's really no words to describe all the emotions and the shock and the questions and you know everything that happened and you know really it's just we are still in a process right now of coming to terms with what happened yeah um i mean this was this was 6 plus months ago 6 and a half yeah and we're still we're still trying to figure out what this means and and how to do all of this and how to live life with all of this and um yeah and even looking back it was just it's just hard because medically we still don't really know everything that happened nope and so it's like and then so like i've so like i'm kind of skipping over but it was like william went to be home with jesus we let him go he passed away and you know i stayed in the room for a long time just to be with him and my parents were there and and friends were there and Shalene was on FaceTime and all of that and no I wasn't anymore okay when when did the FaceTime end then like on your end once you laid him down after he had passed away you weren't sure if he had yet okay well okay so I was holding him and he was all disconnected and I think when I had put him back on the table his heart was still beating like once every 30 seconds or something like that but but he had passed away. And then I guess at that point, you, the FaceTime call ended or something like that. We hung up. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, all that to say, like, I eventually was back in Kirksville. That uh, drove all the way back, you know, to be with Shalene now after all this has happened. And I was able to talk with Dr. Speak. And, and he was just, like, saying, like, I looked at the placenta. And, like, we've looked at all this. And there's, like, there's no clear indication of what the bleeding was from. Like, at the very beginning of this whole story where there was bleeding early in the morning, it's just like we don't really know what it was from because it's not fully consistent with a placental abruption Mm -hmm. because the way that your body responded was not consistent with that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not clear that it was coming from William directly because... Yeah, like vasoprevia, which would be where the cords over the cervix and can disconnect and cause problems. Everything just looked normal, and so... I mean, they eventually sent all the labs and the information and the records to a specialist in St. Louis, and we had a tele tele meeting with him, and he kind of looked through everything. And I don't know, I feel like the takeaway from that meeting, or one of the takeaways was like placental abruption shrug. You know, not not that he was... Not shrug, I th- think Not that he, he was cold or anything like that, but he, even like the specialist going back and looking over everything... Was like, I can't tell you. There's not a clear medical cause or reason for all of this, Mm -hmm. which is just like so weird and so strange and just hard. And it's difficult to to come to terms with that. Um, 
thankfully, one thing that was that we're really thankful for is that in that meeting, the specialist in St. Louis that we that we were talking to on the tele meeting thing said like. There's no, he doesn't see any reason why we couldn't continue to have kids or have the family that we want. Mm -hmm. And so we're extremely grateful that like, as far as we know, like there's nothing wrong with us that has caused this um, or anything like that. And so it just, it just seems like this, like this terrible anomaly is, is all it seems like so far Mm -hmm. from a medical perspective. Yeah. I was very prepared for genetic testing and like this to be a long process and so then for it to just be a, well, I really believe that you'll be able to have the family you want. Um, I like, I can give you my top couple of things I think it could be, but there's nothing that points clearly to it. Um, but like, I don't recommend genetic testing. He's like, nothing that happened points to a genetic issue. Yeah. He's like, we can do testing if you want, because inevitably, yeah, everybody has something weird, but the chances <laughs> that you guys have the same weird are super low. And then it like nothing that happened points to that. Yeah. Um, so that was just a completely unexpected response from him. Yeah. Cause I was prepared for just like, yeah, we didn't think that like meeting with the specialist was going to be like a one-time thing. It's like, no, we're going to like go through all this stuff and we're going to like dig and there's going to be all yeah. these meetings and it's going to be a long drawn out process. And it was just like a 45 minute consultation. No, it was an hour and a half. You okay. weren't home for the first half of it. Okay. Oh yeah. I was trying to get home from work, mm-hmm. but Still, 90-minute consultation. as Yeah, and so yeah. it was just like, geez. And so, I don't know. Is there any other details from from that day that we missed or need to go over? I just think it's important to note all of the people who were immediately right there. Like, our families were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother Isaac and sister-in-law Ashton, they came. Mm-hmm. And that was really wonderful. And then Emily was there and Ryan... Um, but then even just like our other moms and dads from church, like Tony and Patty showed up and were there. Jeremy and and Ruth were there. Jeremy and Ruth and Roger. And I know we're going to miss people, but I like, I was getting information. Like we had bouncers. I had bouncers. I don't know if you knew this, but like Ruth and... Uh, Patty were like out in the waiting room, like not letting people come see. yeah, Yeah. Like pretty much being like, she loves you. We know you love her so much. But, but this like, is not the time right, to yeah. go and, say hi to Shalene. And then they'd come and check periodically and see if I needed anything and just be like, hey, like so-and-so said they love you. They were here, da-da-da. Um, and then my friend Destiny actually came because I had been yeah, talking to her. Yeah, I talked to her all the way up through everything. And I Marco Poloed her as soon as stuff went down and was like, hey. And when they took him to Columbia she Marco Polo back and was like, Oh man, like I've been like, she had her daughter at 30 weeks. And so she went through the whole NICU process and she's like, okay, like if you need pumping information, like here, I can like talk to you about. And she sent me back this long video and was like, I'm totally here. Like, do you want me to come? And she was already wondering about it. And so then like the next thing I sent her was like, actually like he's gone. And she's like, Oh my gosh. And so I wasn't really responding much at this point, imagine. Um, but she just decided to go ahead and come to Kirksville. And so she sent me a text and she said, I'm in Kirksville. Um, if you want to see me, I'm available. If not, no worries at all. I can just like drive around and go back home. She's like, but I'm here if it would be helpful. And I was like, yeah, it would be great to see you. And so like she came up and sat with Ashton and I, and Emily was back by that time too. For a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I just want to make sure to definitely 
mention that because the Lord was with us the whole time, but also he's given us such a wonderful community and family um, that were also there. Mm-hmm. And I think I definitely want to always remember that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, the the medical teams in yeah. Kirksville and Columbia were both excellent, amazing, mm-hmm. and like amazing in every way possible, like medically, um, how they took care of us, how they communicated with us, mm-hmm. um, how they cared for you, mm-hmm. like the way that Beth... Our friend Beth Ficus, who was a nurse, took care of you the morning. Like I was extremely impressed about how she mm-hmm. took care of you the next morning and talked you through things and well and my, all of that was just amazing. My nurse that day was Denise and she yes. was just wonderful. Yeah. Like she it felt like she was checking on me every fifteen minutes when they're only required once an hour. Mm-hmm. But it felt like she was in there every fifteen minutes, but not in the like, oh my gosh, you're annoying, get out of the way way, but in like the wow, I'm so loved, and, like, mm-hmm. she is here, and just, yeah, yeah, they were wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, so I want to say, and then there's there's other, like, smaller details of the day that I guess we could share, but, that I mean, that's the story, and that's the hour version of the story, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, I feel like there's a bunch of other stuff to talk about, like, the, the funeral, and, like, the week after, and, like, the six months after leading up to right now. Um, and I think that'll be a, a later episode. I don't know. Um, I definitely, just to kind of wrap things up, I guess, without going into it of like, well, what do you do about this? Like, how are we doing? Like, mm. basically, like, what do I make of all this? I guess is what I'm trying to say. If like, without that being a whole hour thing of like, this was a terrible tragedy in our lives mm-hmm. and it, it hurts to talk about obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the over, the overarching reality to all of this is that somehow God is good mm-hmm. and somehow we, we still have hope for this life mm-hmm. and we still have hope in eternal life, the life to come. Mm-hmm. And we believe that one day, we will get to see our son again. Mm-hmm. And I just I just think of the story of Job from the Bible, mm-hmm. of how all of these terrible things happened to him, and he lost all of his kids. Yeah, he had 10. Yeah, and, and through that story, Job didn't give up on God, Mm-mm. and Job actually turned to God mm-hmm. in the midst of that story. And God still showed himself to be a good God and a Mm -hmm. God that cares and takes care of us. And in no way do I or you blame God Mm -mm. for being malevolent towards us. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, this is just one of the great questions of life is like, how can God be good and there be evil, terrible things that happen in life? And obviously that's a whole can of worms to get into but i think the the short version is is that somehow god is still good and we believe him and we trust him and the reality is is it's only god's goodness that has gotten us through this and yeah well to, to begin with the fact that we're even sitting here now talking about it like this yeah shows that god is good and that he has helped us yeah and that he has put us in a family and a community and a church body 
that is also good. Yeah. And has been, been everything to us that we need. Because it's not like from day one, we're like, oh man, this thing happened. We got to podcast this. Yeah, no. At all. (laughs) No, that's not in our thinking. And, and, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of skipping, I'm giving a misrepresentation of our process because at the funeral, I did kind of give this message. I spoke and actually I'll put the link to the funeral and me speaking at it because I basically just gave the story and what we believe about this and how this fits into our understanding of God and and all of this. But we're not, we're not doing the full story justice because that just because God is good doesn't mean there's no grief and there's no pain. Yeah. And there has been (laughs) plenty of grief and pain and mourning and still is to some degree. And so, um, I don't, I don't want to, do the story a disservice in being like, yeah, it was terrible, but we're just going to skip the whole painful fallout from that and just be like, yeah, God is good and we're fine. Cause that's not true either. Well, I think that that <laughs> also cheapens the goodness of God. Right. Right. And I think this is something we should definitely unpack in a different episode yeah. of like, yeah, that somehow, yeah. I mean, you said it right there. Yeah. Like somehow God's goodness is displayed even more greatly Mm -hmm. because of the pain and because we are willing to admit the pain instead Mm -hmm. of just trying to like stuff it down and ignore it. God's good. Let's go. Yeah. 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 No. So, but I don't know. That's, that's the story and we love our son and we Mm. miss him and We appreciate you guys <laughs> listening and listening with us and to everyone who has supported us and, and taking care of us and loved us through this process. And uh, um, we're still hopeful for the future and we're still hopeful that we will see God's goodness and that that we will get to still rejoice in this life and mm-hmm. that there is still hope in this life and that we're still together. Um, yeah. This, I think this process has only deepened Shalene and I's love for each other mm-hmm. in a really cool way. And I think <laughs> we're still in a process now of learning to love each other and care for each other more deeply mm. um, on the backside of this whole situation. So I'm kind of fumbling for ways to <laughs> wrap up this episode, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we go? No, just... God has been good, and I. it's cool to see that we're in a place now that, like, I genuinely am excited mm-hmm. to keep walking forward with you. Yeah. And just, guys, I cannot uh, say enough about this man that God's given me and the way that he took care of William and I as everything was happening. You're a good dad. Thank you. And you're a good mom, too. Thanks. So, love Bye. you. Let me do. <sighs> well, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll talk some more about this because it's still on our there's minds. There's a lot more. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah, so this so, is just like the beginning of the story. But, but for now, I think if we keep going, it'll be rambly. So have a good day with whatever you're doing. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.